Hey guys, we're here at Eden Park, and I'm excited because I'm gonna talk to random people and see how they're dealing with COVID. Oh, this woman looks fun and fabulous. Ma'am, uh, excuse me, I have a question. How is COVID treating you? Honestly, not great. Oh no, what's wrong? I don't have money for anything fun anymore. Oh my gosh, did you lose your job because of COVID? I wish. I hate my job. Bunch of suckers. No, no, actually, it's Best Buy. They keep hassling me. See, I tricked out my basement with a new big TV, you know, so I started falling behind on those payments. And then, did I mention my new truck? So I got a new truck. And then they came after me for that too. So it's just, it's just been one big hassle. Someone has a shopping problem. Okay, good luck out there. Declare this a global health emergency. Well, what's up, Whitewater family and friends? Oh, my gosh. So great to be back inside. For most of you, it's been six months. You look great. Even behind that mask, I don't know if I do, but I know you do. And uh, I'm so sick of that thing, but I know we're not masking what God is doing in this place. And boy, it's a wonderful thing. And so if you're here, great. Maybe you're watching online for the first time. Our largest congregation is still online. Keep attending there. For some of you, maybe the first time you've been in our building, you've been watching online for you know months, and finally you heard we were open, and here you are. And then some of you watching online for the first time, keep doing that. Because there's so many new people, I just want to take this chance to introduce myself in case you don't know me. My name's David Vaughn. I'm your preacher. I've been on vacation for six months. No, some of y'all know better than that. I have been busy praying and pondering and preparing for how best to respond and lead in this chaotic COVID world. Here's how I know, maybe it's true for you. Here's how I know that I'm moving on a little bit though, because I'm ready to laugh about some stuff. Before I was crying, now I still cry a little bit, but now I've been laughing. You know you're ready to move on when you're ready to smile. And so I saw some pictures that some people sent me and made me smile. I know if you're going through COVID or past it now because of your reaction. Let me show you a couple of them. Remember wishing the weekend would last forever? Happy now? <laughs> I was so bored last night, I called Jake from State Farm just to talk to somebody. He asked me what I was wearing. And just like that, Having a mask, rubber gloves, duct tape, plastic sheeting, and rope in your trunk is okay. <laughs> now, be careful, men. As we end week two of the lockdown, I've been thinking about Osama bin Laden. He was stuck in his house with three wives for five years. I'm beginning to wonder if he called in those Navy SEALs himself. <laughs> oh, I'll get an email about that. What? What if they close grocery stores and we have to hunt for our food? I don't even know where little Debbie lives. <laughs> and then what we're going to talk about a little today, apart from being exhausted, financially unstable, we're going to talk about that, nearing a mental breakdown and being fat, everything is great. <laughs> I want to talk about not the fat part, but some other part. My question that I've been posing to myself, will, where do we go from here? 
What is COVID teaching me? What is it teaching us? I love Jeremiah 42, verse 3. The, the Hebrew people have been down and out. They've been through a battle. They're feeling defeated, beat down, tired, anxious, overwhelmed. Does that sound familiar to you? And so they come to the prophet Jeremiah with this simple prayer request. Here's what they said. Jeremiah, would you pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do? Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what should we do. I think I've probably been praying that prayer every day, honestly, for the past six months. Where should I go? What should I do? I bet you have too. This same prayer is the prayer of school teachers, administrators in our church facing insurmountable educational challenges. God, where should we go and what should we do? This is the prayer of parents who are wondering how they're ever going to continue with distance learning, homeschooling, the kids are not cooperating, I'm juggling career. God, tell us where we should go and what we should do. This is the prayer of business owners, organizational leaders I've been texting with these last six months who are facing challenges, painful staffing decisions that they never dreamed they'd have to deal with. And they're praying the same prayer, Lord, tell me where I should go and what should I do. Honestly, it's the prayer of our church leaders, our staff, our elders in these uncertain times. God, where should we go? What should we do? And I'm excited because you'll hear more in coming days about some long-term pivots we're making because of our strategy now and because of COVID, actually because COVID is the series we're in. And the idea is that we need to stop blaming COVID for all of our issues and start using it as a catalyst to improve our lives and look at our hearts. This series has been helping us answer Jeremiah's prayer, God, tell us where we should go and what we should do with our family, with our friends, and today with our finances. There's a very odd dynamic occurring right now with money. Some of us in our church, some of you watching online, some in our country are just barely surviving. Others are thriving with their wallets. You're thriving right now, especially if you own stock in Tesla, Apple, Zoom, Disney Plus, now that Mulan is out. So, so many of us, we have money, but you know what? Some of the rest of us, we have a mess. It's been an economic virus that is creating this ever-increasing gulf between the haves and the have-nots. I saw a Wall Street Journal article about that yesterday. The headline caught my eye. It said, America's wealth gap. As 45, American, 45 million Americans lose their jobs, U.S. billionaires made $584 billion. Those of you in this room who are billionaires, you know who you are. Those of you watching online, you know who you are. The, the novel coronavirus pandemic has only increased income equality, stretching the racial wealth gap in the U.S. and making the richest wealthier while leaving many of the poorest without jobs. Between March 18th and June 17th, as the pandemic raged, the combined wealth of the 614 U.S. billionaires increased by $584 billion, most of that based because they had their money in the stock market. The pandemic crisis will only widen the already worrisome levels of income, racial, and gender inequality in the U.S. Friend, right now in our church, right here in this room, right here in our community, right here watching online, we have those of us who are in a season of shortage, but we also have those of us who are in a season of plenty. 
Some people have been paying off credit cards. We're thriving during COVID. We're investing. We're padding savings. But there's a whole other demo of people that are going hungry. They're worried about eviction. And so whatever camp you're in, I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. Those watching online, go ahead and post that. It's time to thrive. I want to speak to two different groups of people in two categories today, all in the same message. I want to do it in the context of four little verses tucked away in Mark chapter 12. The Gospel of Mark, a follower of Jesus, he shared a small but significant story about two groups or two classes of people, the haves and the haves-nots. And this will particularly speak to someone today who's watching or in this room who is not in the season of, of plenty, you're in the season of poverty. You're, you're not in the season where it's all going your way and up and to the right. You're going down and you're swirling around. My heart goes out for you. Most of us are not worried about where our next meal or where we'll have a roof over our head. That's not us. But there are many watching here in our congregation who do. This story right here speaks to two different categories. Those who already have and probably have more and those who didn't have very much and now they have less. Notice here, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. He sat down there and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow, okay, so you see already the demarcation between the wealthy and the non-wealthy. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents, just a few pennies. Calling his disciples to him, hey, come over here, boys. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. For they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. We call this the story of the widow's mite, M-I-T-E, which is the kind of the coin that she gave. But I'm going to describe it as the widow's mite, M-I-G-H-T. Four simple verses, yet powerful lessons for everyone listening today. Because the story of this unnamed widow so moved the heart of the Lord that he used her and what she did as a teachable moment then and a teachable moment now in COVID. And did you notice the extreme contrast as I read it between the poor widow and the showy scribes and Pharisees? And you kind of get an idea of how this is all set up by the verses right before it in verse 38. This is the culture in which they, economically, financially, spiritually, this is the culture through which this story occurs. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. That's always encouraging when you are a teacher, preacher of the law. Watch out for that guy. They like to walk around in flowing robes, be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and have the most important seats in the synagogues, the places of honor at banquets. But here's what they really do. They leverage it. They use people. They devour widows' houses like this one that's getting ready to come on the scene. And for a show, make lengthy prayers. All oh, preachers can pray long prayers. These men will be punished most severely, not because they prayed long, but because they are abusing people and they're not generous with their wealth. See, the teachers of the law, man, they were rich. They were obsessed with these long flowing robes that caught people's attention. This widow probably only had on the only thing she had, widow's clothing. 
The, the rich were concerned about being greeted correctly in the marketplace. She went anonymous, probably virtually unnoticed everywhere she went. The rich, he says, Jesus says, were treated to the chief seats in the synagogue when they went to worship. Let me tell you where the chief prime seats are here in our building, and we hope you come online at some point to, to visit us. Pre-COVID, let me tell you the most prized seats, the seats on the end and the seats in the back. If I could have a whole building with just end seats, our usher will tell you that's where people want to sit. No other seats except end seats. And no other seats except in the back. That's where people want to go. And I know new people, they want to sit on the end, sit in the back, because they don't know what's going to happen. The snakes may come out, be all kind of crazy stuff happen. I want to get out of here. In their day, they had chief seats too. They liked the best seats. The widow, she sat by her, all herself. They loved hanging out with the upper crust of society. She was probably grateful for some few crust crumbs just to get by. They wanted to get everything they could out of life. She wanted to give everything she could in life. Because of that, they received the condemnation of the Lord. She received the commendation of the Lord. Josephus was an early Jewish historian, and here's what he wrote about the people in the temple who had money, the religious leaders. The religious performance among these scribes and Pharisees had reached such an absurd state of affairs that some of the Pharisees, before they made their contribution to the great collection box, actually summoned a trumpeteer to go before them to get everybody's attention. Can you imagine that when you take the offering? Do, 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 watch, I'm getting ready to give. Maybe that's why Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. I want you to notice what Jesus does here too. Just an FYI, when you are in doubt about anything in life, in any situation, keep your eyes on Jesus. Whatever Jesus does, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. Whatever he doesn't do, that's what you're not supposed to do. And notice I want to show you three things from this short three, four verses in Mark. I want to show you where he sat, what he saw, and what he said. First of all, where Jesus sat. He sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. These are the final moments of Jesus in his life. The final moments in the temple. He chose the treasury as the last place he would go and give his final teaching before leaving the temple forever. Fascinating. And because it was Passover, Jewish Jerusalem, the Jewish people filled that whole temple area, filled with worshipers. People were giving tremendous amounts of money. The wealthy were throwing in money by the handfuls. Others were giving cheerfully. Some were giving grudgingly. Just like today, some of us give out of opportunity. Some of us give out of obligation. Not much has changed over the years. This still happens every week in every church, in every country, city, town, all over the world. I know what some of you are thinking, well, David, man, first Sunday back, you're talking about giving. I, I, can't, I can't believe that. You're like really bold. Well, maybe. I like to see the generous grin and the stingy squirm. And the other reason I'm talking about this is because there's going to be a day soon when unemployment and stimulus and other stuff's going to run out. And guess who's counting on us to be generous? The people who have nothing, who are in our church, in our community. They're coming our way. We want to give now so that we can bless later. Those of us in the season of plenty, we've got to be ready for those in the season of poverty. That's why I'm talking about it. So Jesus sat at the temple against, kind of leaned back against the treasury. And notice what Jesus saw. 
That's where he sat. But notice what he saw. He saw those crowds putting in large amounts of money, and he saw what the widow did. Two very small copper coins worth just a few pennies. You know, people are funny about what they give. People are really funny about people seeing what they give, especially if the pastor knows. It's a great uh, famous pastor over in England, D.L. Moody, back in the day. And during the offering time in his church, he would leave the stage pulpit and walk up and down the aisles and watch what his members were giving. Well, people were really upset about that. They, they criticized. They say, you can't be doing that. He said, why are you worried about what I see? The Lord sees you every week what you're giving. See, Jesus watched them all, and he saw it all. Even though he, even though he was on the way to the cross where he would give everything, He gave everything he could possibly give. He sits and watches what others were giving. That's because Jesus was and is, is intensely interested in what you do with your money. And can I just say, it's not really your money anyway. It's his money. It never is yours. Someday you will leave it all behind. It'll go on to someone else. It's always been his. Why is Jesus interested in our money, his money? Because it reflects our priorities. There's a reason Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I invested a little in the market. I'm not a billionaire, but I invested a little in the market over the COVID period. Buy low, sell high. And now I found myself reading the Wall Street Journal. I don't even know if it exists. I never read it. Why is that? Where your treasure is, there your heart, your mind, will, your interest will be also. Funny, too, that people get a little on edge when the pastor talks about money, like nobody else in the world is talking about it. But Jesus watches what people put in those boxes. we got boxes here. Some of them are wooden. Some of them are online. Those of you watching online, you give online. No trumpets are sounded, but they serve the same purpose. And did you know that Jesus watches what you put in there or what you don't? Jesus sees those of us who are rich in a season of plenty. And could I just say this right now? I am astoundingly surprised in such a good way about the generosity of our church in these last six months of COVID. We were preparing for that to drip down. Nothing like that took place. In fact, in some ways, our per capita giving is as higher as it has ever been. Why is that? Many of you in a seat, yes, praise God. It's because many of you are in a season of plenty, have a giving heart. And I say, way to go. Keep it up. Your checks, your online giving, we are able to bless so many people and not worry about so much because of you're in that category. And if God has blessed you with much right now, then we, myself included, are obligated to give much. But even though we in the plenty are to give, God also commends this woman here, this poor widow woman, for giving even though she didn't have very much at all. The apostle Paul was traveling around collecting an offering. The, the, people, the Jews, the Christians that lived in Jerusalem, they were having a hard time. A famine was there. It wasn't COVID, but it was a pestilence, and they were down and out. And he was traveling around the churches to collect an offering. And here's what he told some people in Macedonia who had very little. They were more of a widow than a wealthy person. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial. That's what some of us are in, a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, 
entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. Imagine that. Please let us give. I've had so many texts and emails from some of you very generous people watching online and here today. David, please let me give. Tell me where you need it to go. Oh, man. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first. That's what God wants. He doesn't want your while. He wants you. And then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, here's a word to us right here. Since we are excelling in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, some of you have really increased your knowledge in COVID. You've really increased your faith. You've really learned how to talk about some things. If you've increased in that in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of what? Giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Friend, everything you have is from God. Everything you will get in coming days is because God has given it to you. So I have a little exercise for you. I call it the COVID blessing test. I'm going to give it to you online, give it to you right here. If you're on your couch or somewhere watching this, it's pretty simple. In fact, you'll get the test done in less than 10 seconds. Are you ready? Make a list of the things you own or you have that God had nothing to do with. All the things you own, all the things you have that God had nothing to do with. I'll wait. <laughs> Pretty short list, isn't it? Can you think of anything? We live on God's earth. We eat God's food. We drink God's water. We breathe God's air. We eat God's skyline. We, <laughs> we have a body with heart, lungs, ears, eyes, hands, feet. All the time, many of us watching, listening, never realizing. All that was a gift to us. We had nothing to do with it. Now, lest you mistake that I'm coming down on those of us who have wealth, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with having money. It's when money has you. Big difference. These scribes, Pharisees, wealthy people, money had them. They were all about the coin. Well, Jesus sat, and Jesus saw that, and so he called his disciples over, and notice what Jesus said. I'm going to paraphrase. Hey, boys, come over here. Watch this. Watch this. See all those rich people? See this widow? Notice what she's doing. In fact, I think all heaven stands on the edge of its seat, stands up and stands on the edge of its seat at the stage of heaven when a widow gives. When some of you give who have very, very little, trusting God for everything, I think all heaven applauds it. Jesus applauded it. She has given, he said, more than all who are contributing the offering box. Not on human scales, that wasn't true. But God's financial economic system, he has a different set of scales. It weighs it differently. They gave out of their plenty. She gave out of her poverty. See, it's not the portion of our giving. It's the proportion, the percentage of our giving. And if everybody that day in Jerusalem had given like the poor widow had given percentage-wise, they would have had a record offering. So let me give you a couple of observations and applications during COVID from these verses. 
They apply to all of us, whether we're in a season of much or a season of lack. Season of plenty, season of poverty. Number one, don't brag or be showy about what you give. Could we just agree with that? Jesus isn't impressed. We may have some billionaires and billionaires watching. Yay, God, that you're giving. You can't impress God with what you give because he already owns it all. Don't act like it's yours. <laughs> so let our giving, when appropriate, be anonymous if possible. Number two, giving is a matter, isn't a matter of how much you give. It's rather how much you keep. Even in COVID, even in your poverty, friend, God commands you to give something. If you want to get perspective about how good you got, if you want to right-size your economic situation, you just travel on a mission trip to a third world country. First time I ever went to Mexico, we ate dinner at a very poor family's house, dirt floor, and the father of that house gave me a gift, something he had made. I initially declined it as he was dirt poor, but my missionary host pulled me aside and said, David, take it. He needs to give it more than you need to receive it. Oh my, that's rich. Don't take away his blessing of giving, the missionary host said. I never forgot that. I was encouraged to give because I watched him give. So for those of you in a season of shortage right now, trust God and give something in faith, even if it's a penny, no matter how small. And because God's going to notice, God will bless you. You've got to learn to trust God with the little if you want him to give you the much. In fact, I have a verse that you can claim. If you are in a season of want, you're in a season of down, you're in a, you're, nothing's going right. Maybe you got off order. Maybe your job got eliminated. Maybe you're furloughed. Maybe both of you lost your job. Maybe you don't know where the next rent check is coming from. Here's a verse you can claim like the widow claimed. I stumbled on it this week and I said, it just spoke to me. Psalm 37, 25. I was young, and now I am old. Oh my, that's a whole nother sermon right there. I feel like six months of COVID has aged me six years. I once was young, now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging bread. They're always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing man. Do you not think that God saw that widow and later provided for her as she left the temple that day? You know he did. If he saw her little, he was able to give her a lot. And I kind of think maybe he even dispatched Judas, one of his disciples, who was the keeper of the bag, it says. He stole, Judas stole from the bag that they, he carried. I think he probably just to kind of tweak Judas a little bit, sent him over there to give her some coin. Friend, God will use lots of people to provide income your way. Even those who may not even fully follow Jesus like Judas, you got to trust him. Donna and I, my wife, have seen this time and time and time again in our lives when it comes to trusting God with our money, being generous, being giving. We shovel it out, God shovels it in, but you know what I found out? He got a bigger shovel. It comes back better and richer. So it's not a matter today of who gives the most, but have we given our best? So for those of you in a season of plenty, I want you to pray this prayer. This week in your COVID world, Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra 
that I have. Say that with me. Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra I have? Isn't that kind of hard to say? Especially when you mean it. It's counterintuitive, especially when you struggle with greed. Now, to be honest, this is not how I normally think. When I come into a little extra because of day trading on the market, I think, lucky me, you're such a wise financial stock dude, David. And if I get haughty about that, you know what God's going to (laughs) do? Okay, watch this. (laughs) David, I'm going to wipe all that out because that's not your source of your strength. I'm the source of your strength. Like the guy in the parable, Jesus told about a guy who built bigger barns to store his excess because he kept making more and more and more. He never asked, Lord, what do you want me to do with the extra? What is enough for me right now? He built bigger barns. Some of you are struggling with that same syndrome right now. I call it the BBS syndrome. Not BS, that's for another sermon. BBS, bigger barn syndrome. What are you going to do with the extra that God has given you if you're in a season of plenty? in our church. How can you maximize those dollars to bless somebody who's struggling right here in your own church home? Someone asked a man, do you want to be poor and happy or rich and sad? See, because just because you're wealthy doesn't mean you're happy. Y'all have figured this out. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who are afflicted with wealth. It wasn't a blessing. All kinds of problems come. It takes a steady hand to carry a full cup. But somebody once said, God, would you rather be poor and happy or rich and sad? Guy thought for a minute, he said, I'd rather be semi-wealthy and moderately depressed. (laughs) The truth is that most of us will run out of time before we run out of money. And as I had a preacher friend advise me one day, David, do your giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. Because it's going to somebody after you. Our church has a thread, a DNA of generosity. We are able to help people now in unprecedented ways. You have been blessed to be a blessing individually. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And we give thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars away because those of us who are in a plenty help those in a situation of poverty. But it's not just what the church can do, friend. You are the church, not just the corporation. It's you personally in relationship with that person in your family, your neighbor, the person you work with. You don't need my permission to be generous to them. Go do that. The last very practical and biblical action item I would encourage all of us to do right now, if you hadn't already done it already, is to make a COVID quarantine budget for the rest of the year. How many of y'all like, maybe that's not a good question. How many of y'all have heard of a budget? (laughs) Okay. If you have a budget, you're already long down the road to managing as a steward the plenty God has given you. It is prudent to plan. A budget simply is telling your money where it's going instead of the other way around. That's really what it is. And so you would be wise to sit down with your spouse or whoever you need to talk to and come up with a COVID-19 budget, whether you're in plenty or whether you're in poverty. Again, I'm ready to laugh about it a little bit. Comedian John Christ had a video that uh, showed what happens when couples get together. So just let me warn you, be very careful when you sit down and talk about this COVID quarantine budget. Check this out. 
Dallas Cowboys season tickets. Please. Yeah, keep those. Wait. That's my team, baby. This wow. is going to be our year. Okay. Well, on the bright side, we'll probably never have to buy playoff tickets because they never win. <laughs> okay, top expenses for last month are Pure Bar, Panera Bread, and tennis lessons. Are these... No, those are mine. Okay, well, at least we don't have to send in our census data for the year because they know we're white. $250 a month on golf lessons? Yeah, keep those, definitely. Mm, yeah, you think you'd be more athletic by now. I'm good. I I was marrying I'm... Tiger Woods. I'm actually the senior tour John Daly. Okay. Looking at your credit card, um, Bass Pro Shops. Yeah, keep that, definitely. Well, you know the saying. Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish. And, and he'll they'll... leave his family every Saturday morning for seven hours while he goes and fishes with his friends. I... Car insurance. Uh, yeah, you're, you definitely need it because you can't drive, so. What? I'm glad you say that. You... Okay, I got you backup cameras in your new car and you still backed into a light pole. It was dark. It was it evening. Was... I'm showing that you went over your data 10 out of 12 months this year. Is that... Well, Maybe you could uh, trim up those Instagram stories a little bit. Just... No, people love them. They don't. No. They love no them. No one cares about your skincare routine. No. Okay, what are all these Amazon purchases? Is that like a Christian ministry support in you know Brazil? What, no, you know what Amazon is. Well, with the amount of money, it looks like you're supporting a village. We have one child. What are you buying? I buy things for the home. Supplies. Like what? Okay, we've got $200 a month for CrossFit. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, literally has not made a difference. Why do you look like Jack and the Beanstalk? I look like Jack? Jack oh, no, 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 you look like the Beanstalk. Your body has literally not changed since middle school. Okay, Chili's, eating out. Uh, we can cut down Probably on that. Probably cut down on yeah. that. I'm very intuitive in the kitchen. Angie, our neighbor, she's a good cook, okay? She knows how to just make stuff out of nothing. Oh, of course she does, because she's Angie. Angie's just so wonderful, and she's so pretty, and she rides bikes with her kids. What? Great. I feel like we're living a little bit above our means. Oh, wow, I didn't know I married Dave Ramsey, thanks. Okay, well, I'm better than you deserve. Oh, good news, we got 27 years left on our mortgage. Oh, so great, yeah, great. no, I'll be dead by then. You hey, maybe we should put some room in the budget for some Botox. You're, mm, it, maybe it, a mommy spa weekend. What is that? That's maybe a... maybe mom actually gets her hair done on time for once, yeah? You, we, you have money, that's in the budget, you have money for that. No, I don't. Hey, listen, I'm the one who makes all of the smart financial decisions around oh, here, so. Oh, listen, miss, I wait outside Lululemon for new arrivals. Visit to Ulta, I can cut down on cosmetics. Oof. Let's keep let's keep that actually. Okay, this budget is clearly not working. Listen, the economy took a hit this year. We can figure it out. We'll go on a vacation to Gatlinburg or something. It's fun. Oh, oh Gatlinburg. Yes. Why what's, didn't I think of that? You know Gatlinburg. what? Gatlinburg. Here's a bunch of white trash. That's what we are now. Gatlinburg. Great. We can get airbrush T-shirts. We can go to Paula Deen's restaurant. The Dixie Stand. The kids will love it. How much is that life insurance policy again? Uh, it's ten million. Ten million. Yeah. Wow. What? Be careful when you design the COVID budget. So I have preached for years. You can probably go back and look at it on a sermon archive at some point. I have preached for years a budget formula that's the secret sauce. I've never met a financial planner yet that wouldn't agree. And it is, works in COVID as it does any time. I call it 10-20-70. Take all your income, divide it into percentages. First 10% goes to God. 
And, and we call it a tithe. Now, some of us can't start there. We're going to start with 1% too. Start somewhere. 20% stands for your savings. 10% long-term, 10% short-term. Long-term investment, stock market, 10% short-term. The washer, the dryer, you know, dies. You got to buy it instead of borrow against it. 70% is what you live on. Is that not a novel concept to live below your income? Most of us live way up here. And that's what COVID actually revealed. In fact, the truth for some of us is that COVID has wrecked our finances. But if we were honest, we were in financial pain pre-COVID. We overspent, we poorly planned, we consumed our lack of faith. We weren't giving anything until COVID entered the picture, and it just accelerated it now. Now, obviously, if you're watching, if you're in our church and you're, you got furloughed, your position eliminated, you're going to have to figure out what that looks like in your budget. But if you are in a significant season of shortage, and you're watching here, and you're listening here, if you would email us at the Life Center, whitewatercrossing.org slash life, there's a phone number on the screen as well, 738-7500. We are prepared. We've been preparing to help you, just like the Acts 2 church, just like this Corinthians passage where Paul gathered an offering. We want to help you with advice and generosity. And then maybe you need some help with budgeting. There's also a way we can get you resources there. Just text the word budget to 466-1424, and we'll give you some resources. Let me close with this, just an observation, because I don't want you to beat yourself up if you've made some stupid financial decisions. All of us in this room, all of us watching, have probably not done well with our finances all the time. That was even pre-COVID. So I, I, I hope, my prayer, is that you have heard this message with a heart uh, not of judgment. I hope that you won't beat yourself up or beat anybody else up. When people make mistakes, here's what we do in our culture today. We cancel them. We've even coined a term for it, cancel culture. And in a cancel culture, people are constantly writing each other off. There's shame, there's guilt, there's ridicule. But in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, it's not a cancer, cancel culture, it's a cross culture. The cross canceled our guilt, our shame, our sin, debt, and therefore, we can be debt cancelers, grace givers, unity builders, forgiveness extenders to a broken and hurting world. I just want to remind you, those of you who call this your church home, our enemy is the devil. It is not each other. I have seen too many Christians fighting with each other right now. Stop that. Could we just remember this? You've never been through a pandemic before. I've never been through a pandemic before. I missed the class in Bible college and seminary leading through a global pandemic. So could I ask you to cut me some slack? Could I ask you to cut your neighbor, your family, your spouse, your friends some slack? They've never been through this before either. Everybody you're angry at right now has never been through a pandemic before. So if you're going to give something, how about we give grace to each other? How about that? Because in a divided culture, Christians, friend, need to be the help and the hope and not the hate. And there are people watching the Whitewater Crossing Church right now, not in this building, but where you live. They're watching to see if you're about help and hope or are you about hate. 
So if you're in a season of shortage or plenty, there's something for you here. Talk to us. Get in touch with us. Get on the Whitewater app. There's some questions. We call them me questions, us questions, go questions. That's what God would have you learn, and that's what he's teaching me this week. So my prayer for you is that we, whether we're here in person or online, that we are on mission, but we are on point for generosity. And if you're the widow, we're praying for you. Keep trusting God with the little you have. And if you are in a season of plenty in this church and you're watching online, God gave you that wealth to bless other people. Don't you dare hoard God's money. For this is the lesson that he teaches us time and time again, that when you give, you receive. And blessed are those who give. Always is true. God... Thank you for all the things we've learned today and what we are learning as a church. I haven't got it all right, but God, I'm just trusting in you and thankful that we can share and do life together here as a congregation in this room. Thank you that we're back inside, but God, I enjoyed outside too. Thank you, God, you've given us this building, but it's not for us. We gather so we can scatter and be the church. So I pray for those in a season of plenty and those in a season of excess. I pray for those in a, Father, a position to make a difference. And I pray that our finances would reflect the rich generosity you have bestowed on us in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for a church working right. Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to see things differently, to say things differently. And, Father, to sit and watch the people going by so that we can look for that widow who may be passing by, that we are in a position to help. May we do that this week in Christ's name. Amen.